All right, this is Dark Dates Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Mike, and tonight I'm joined by Chig. How's it going, Chig? You know, it's going pretty well, Mike. How are things up there in the frozen Northlands? Uh, very warm. Uh, it, actually, this past weekend, it was uh, horribly, horribly frigid. Negative seven degrees. I uh, took out the car for a little spin, and like the, uh, the shifter and the clutch were like, barely functioning at that temperature it was uh, the viscosity definitely changed in the uh in the clutch fluid but uh, i survived and it sounds like you're surviving down in the uh the 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 bleak steppes of texas the blasted wasteland that is my home yeah that is, we're, we're doing all right <laughs> that is what it looks like oh my gosh well it's great to have you here really excited for this episode because we're gonna be talking about dark fantasy rpg alternatives tonight because whew, there's been a lot going on in the rpg industry lately so why don't we just get to the news then let's all right jig so uh the industry is on fire everyone's been talking about it wizards of the coast decided that they were gonna try to change and significantly modify the open gaming license and well <laughs> this may come as a shock to uh, nobody at all, but people don't like having their rights taken away in a really blatant manner. Uh, and, well, there was quite a bit of outcry, outrage. Uh, they backpedaled, but it seems like a lot of other game publishers uh, are really able to capitalize on this. Um, you know, it seems like they're they're doing really well, right, Chig? Right. I mean, one man's fire is another man's fire sale! <laughs> Uh, Green Ronin, Evil Hat, Free League, and other small publishers are making sales right now just hand over fist. Uh, January, uh, which is January of 2023 for those listening to the back episodes, uh, is when uh, all of this really kind of boiled over for uh, Wizards of the Coast. And uh, that was the biggest month of sales for those companies uh, in oh, yeah. history. Yeah, Pathfinder sold out everything, uh, all their core books. Uh, yeah, I was looking online at eBay and it was like, you know, the auctions were going for $80 a book. You know, buy it now is for like buck 20. It was, uh, whew, it, it was crazy and it still is crazy because you can't find Pathfinder books at the moment. Uh, definitely PDFs though. That's, uh, that's certainly an option. And a lot of other things going on. Uh, you know, Onyx Path has been selling stuff and, you know, they have um, Pathfinder uh, Scarred Lands as well. Uh, I think it's for Pathfinder 1st Edition, but uh, that's also a pretty cool option uh, uh, as well. So a lot of stuff going on, and that's going to be the focus of this episode tonight, which is uh, just talking about different alternative RPGs uh, for Dark Fantasy. So if there's no other news, Chig... I think that's kind of dominated the, uh, the, the newsosphere for the games industry here recently, so... Yeah, certainly. And anything else got uh, swept under the rug. Yep. So let's just move on over to that main segment, talking about dark fantasy alternative RPGs. Well, b- before we go, what? let's let's lay down some some criteria here. Okay. What exactly are we talking about when we say alternative dark fantasy RPGs? Absolutely. So going into this this episode, Chig, I wanted to you know recommend to people some new fantasy games. Wizards of the Coast is big. 
And a lot of people are recommending Pathfinder as the alternative to go to. And yeah, I understand if you want a dungeon attrition uh, kind of role-playing game, you know, with that kind of toolbox methodology, that's that's great for, if you want to go with uh, with Pathfinder. But a lot of the people, they actually really do care about having story and other things for their spooky games, their horror games, their dark fantasy. So if you're a fan of D&D's Ravenloft or pathfinders carrying crown we wanted to set out games that would be a good alternative with different systems so the criteria uh that uh, we went with here is that the game needs to have swords needs to have magic it's got to have dark fantasy or horror themes it cannot be fifth edition or a d20 based game uh that being like you know D derivative d20 some games do use d20s the F20 system, as uh, Robin D. Laws calls it. Ah, interesting. Right, right, right. And it needs to be currently supported. So that's uh, that's another big criteria right there. Uh, do you think that's a good uh, uh, rule set to go with for this episode, Chig? I think that is a good set of criteria, and now the audience knows what they're in for. So let's begin. Absolutely. Okay. What's the first game? All right. So this is one that I actually just sold my book for, and I'm I'm kind of uh kind of regretting it. And it's a game called Accursed. So it's a heroic dark fantasy RPG where you get to play as monstrous witch marked, uh, attempting to throw off the shackles of your oppressors. So in the land of Morden, hmm, Morden Chig, uh, it was invaded by the witches and their monstrous allies, who now rule over the fearful human populace. Uh, you know, fortunately for humanity, though, a few of the created or transformed monsters struggle to retain their humanity and fight back against the witches. Uh, characters take the form of several trope monsters, from vampires uh, to mummies to alchemical uh, golems to gorgons. And Accursed is a Savage Worlds game, which actually has a free update for the Adventure Edition on DriveThruRPG. Um, there's tons of free and inexpensive adventures, too, but unfortunately, the core book PDF is not currently available on DriveThruRPG. And uh, looking around on eBay and other things, the hardcover is a bit pricey. Um, it's like a pretty thin book and it's like 40 bucks. So, you know, they don't have the cheaper option at the moment for, for whatever reason. But it's a cool game if you really want to have that kind of, you know, action-focused uh, dark fantasy game that you might see with, uh, you know, high-level Ravenloft or, or Pathfinder. Um, it does run off of Savage Worlds, which is not everyone's favorite RPG system. But if you want something that's very, very story-driven and quick, um, it's it's definitely a good option, especially if you like those kinds of universal monster and hammer horror tropes. Uh, Chig, have you checked out this game ever? I have not. Um, I didn't think I'd heard of it until you started getting into it, and then that kind of jogged a little bit of a memory. And when you yeah. said Savage Worlds, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I didn't get into it, because I am one of those for whom it is not. Indeed. It's fine. I'm, I've am i come to terms with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a cool game, and it's by uh, uh, Ross Watson, and also Andy Chambers of Warhammer 40,000 fame uh, worked on quite a few of the early source books, so... It's definitely a really cool one. You know, it, it's definitely more uh, heroic in focus. And Chig, for our second offering for tonight, I think you got something here that's a bit more down and dirty. Just a bit. So longtime listeners of the show will know that I'm a huge fan of Blades in the Dark. 
Um, Band of Blades is a Forged in the Dark game that uses the light mechanics of Blades to showcase military campaigns, specifically fantasy military campaigns. Hmm. So you're in a military unit known as the Legion uh, that is fleeing to Sky Dagger Keep, where you are going to confront the biggest bad in the world, the Cinder King. Uh, Your Legion is undermanned, ill-equipped, tired, dirty, and in desperate need of a break that is not coming. Mm -hmm. The Cinder King's minions are hot on your tail, and the fate of the world rests in your hands. So unlike a lot of RPGs where you create a character, you play that character, uh, you do that here in Band of Blades. But in addition to that, and instead of having downtime like other uh, Forged in the Dark games, such as uh, uh, Blades in the Dark, uh, Mm -hmm. during what would be your downtime, you have campaign planning time where you take on uh, the role of kind of a meta role. Um, where somebody will be the Legion commander and they'll decide what the next mission is. Hmm. Somebody else will be the the marshal of the Legion who will manage squadrons of NPCs and send them out on sorties and to get uh, to get you know more uh, more provisions. And that'll determine how well your next uh, your next PC's mission will will start. Are they nice. well equipped? Are they starving? Are they in need of a bath, you know, stuff like that. And somebody will play the quartermaster. That's the person who allocates the resources that the marshals NPCs bring back. And so in addition to that, like I said, you do have a regular character and that can range from just a, a, a foot soldier, a grunt, a sergeant to after a bit of training and a bit of attrition higher in the ranks, you can work your way up and you can become a heavy weapon specialist, a demo, dim, uh, demolitionist or other specialized roles in the uh, in the squadron in the end what remains of your legion and you should not become too terribly attached to your characters because attrition is a thing that will happen uh what remains of your legion might make it to sky dagger keep they might even defeat the cinder king they could save the world it's not technically impossible hmm yeah, this seems pretty pretty grim dark jig. And, you know, being based off of um Blades in the Dark, does this game uh really make good use of the clock system that uh, Blades was so famous for? Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that how it tracks like you being chased by and hounded by the minions of the Cinder King, for example? Um in addition to that, it's how you keep track of how your NPCs are doing. If they're mm-hmm. if they're setting up a uh, a good enough entryway for you to get past the uh the giant minions that are guarding the the valley you have to travel through. It's how they keep track of the quartermaster's supplies. You know, you don't keep track of every nail and every ham hock that you're you bring in. You fill up a clock's worth of food, or a, or you deplete a clock's worth of water. Nice, I like it. Yeah, actually, that's a great use of. Uh of the clocks to uh, track resources like that. Um, that would be really good uh, used if you were to reskin this for, say, like Dark Sun, for example. Oh, absolutely. And I recommend that if you're going to play a game and you need to keep track of basically anything, clocks, mm-hmm. they're where it's at. Yep. So I know that uh, one of the criteria that we had was currently supported, but it looks like the next thing on 
that or the next game that you're recommending, Mike, is a bit of an older one. It is older, but it is still currently supported because uh, Earth Dawn Fifth Edition came out a couple years ago, and it's still being supported and sold by uh, the new version of FASA Games. So Earth Dawn is the classic fantasy precursor to Shadowrun, and while not inherently dark fantasy, we'll discuss how to introduce those elements later. Now. You say it's not inherently dark fantasy, but mm. I mean, it has the horrors, it has the blood elves. Those alone are enough to make it dark fantasy. I, I concur, and uh, we can have that debate a little bit later, but let's introduce this uh, setting to those that are not familiar with it. So, when the Scourge came, the people of the world fled underground, holed up in magically fortified cares for hundreds of years. These being basically underground, mm, I guess you could call them vaults, maybe, that were uh, constructed by the dwarves and enchanted with magic by many of the different species in the world. However, the horrors, of course, ravaged the entire world and hunted most of those that were too foolish to hide. Many cares did not hold, so they were broken into, destroyed, uh, but others, of course, did survive. And when the survivors emerged, they found a, a land that was broken and twisted, pockmarked with ruins, where the horrors still dwelt. And Earthdawn is a high fantasy but post-apocalyptic setting uh, that will naturally blend with uh, fancy role-playing tropes like uh, magical items and dungeons, you know, kind of combining that setting uh, with the game mechanics themselves and those fantasy tropes. The game uses a proprietary step system uh, that mixes polyhedron dice uh, for some pretty interesting effects. I would say that uh, Earth Dawn is easy to convert into a dark fantasy game. You just need to really tone down some of the high fantasy technology, like airships, uh, while leaning into the post-apocalyptic desperation. And Chig mentions the Blood Elves, which are really cool and we should definitely focus on. These are elves who did not flee the horrors and instead, uh, well, became cursed with uh, a thorned skin uh, that can really drive home those dark fantasy elements. Okay, so you say that they were cursed with thorned skin, but that's not mm -hmm. really true in the traditional sense. You know, they didn't upset a wizard or, you know, steal from a witch or anything and they were cursed with thorned skin they chose not to flee underground with the dwarves because they thought that their magic would be able to hold off the horrors and yep. they were wrong they were super wrong because but... horrors feed on magic hmm. so they kind of they did a ritual to themselves and because they are now in a state of constant agony the horrors can't get anything that they want out of them because the horrors feed on suffering. So there's no suffering left in these in these elves for anyone else. It's it's super messed up. Yeah, it is. It's very it's very black metal, very black metal. But you know, it kind of shows the interesting uh, features of the setting where you know the choices of these different individuals have consequences those that fled underground into the cares well they kind of abandoned the world to be to be ravaged and and destroyed uh twisted by the horrors uh the blood elves they decide to come up with their own magical ritual but well it worked but not the way they intended it to and through their hubris well now they're in a a state of constant suffering and of course others still uh are are you know 
no longer existent. They were they were consumed by the horrors themselves. So it's a very interesting setting uh, in that regard, just looking at the choices that different, uh, different species made and uh, the after effects that come from the hundred years of the horrors. And then, you know, the, the rebuilding and the, uh, the, the large empire that's, uh, that's threatening everyone. Uh, one of the cool things about Earth Dawn is it's actually set in the real world, right? Because it's, uh, it's the precursor to Shadowrun. Um, the modern, uh, or sorry, not the, the modern equivalent of where uh, the game is set is actually uh, Ukraine. Uh, and the Blood Elves in the Blood Wood is actually in the location of uh, where the Chernobyl power plant is, which is a, you know, interesting little nod right there. It's a fun coincidence, fun right? Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not many other, uh, like, there's no, like, cultural uh, connections, really. Um, but it is, uh, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. You know, it's not a place you usually see fantasy games set, even, even fantasy games correlated to the real world. They started with Earth. And then they broke it. Indeed. So, Jig, kind of following up the uh, the real world discussion, let's talk about historical horror games because there's a lot of them, and I really like these games because they're great for their near infinite lore. You know, it's a mixture of game material and human history. Uh, of course, uh, this can make them a bit daunting to plan and run, uh, since you may feel like you need to read a giant rule book and then also a couple library books. Um, I would say that you shouldn't fret too much about the history. Um, if you have a particularly engaged player uh, who likes history, you can also outsource some of the research to them uh, once you start the game. So that can kind of help uh, lessen the burden. Absolutely. Um, yep. This is a, a trick that I learned running historical games with my group. Um, one guy is just a, a history nut. So I said, hey, I'm going to give your your character the equivalent of you know three dots in local lore so if ever you need to provide a fact to me you just you just roll that right up and you tell me what i'm doing wrong <laughs> mm -hmm. and he's happy to tell me what i'm doing wrong nice nice that's awesome yeah and that's that's a great use right there so let's talk about a couple of example games uh first off you know this is dark days radio so top of the list dark ages vampire absolutely dark ages vampire and also has the uh companion books that came out for mages werewolves inquisitors and fey uh, and these are primarily set between uh, 1197 and 1230 and primarily set in Europe. I really like them. There's a lot of books that were produced for Vampire and a couple for each of the others uh, with a lot, of, uh, a lot of really interesting material. The research in those is a bit hit or miss. Uh, sometimes they had writers that did tons of research and really poured through those library books. Other times they have uh, vampires who are Muslim uh, before the time of Muhammad. So... You know, don't feel bad about not doing the most research you possibly could, because what you're doing at home is fine for your table. You didn't get published by saying that there were Muslim vampires before Muhammad. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But, man, there's just some great stuff in there. Uh, we've had tons of episodes about uh, Dark Ages Vampire that you can go back and check. Dark Ages Mage, Chig and I did a great episode on that uh, a couple years ago. Uh, and I, I love the system in that game. I, I always, I think it's oh, better than uh, basic the, mage. The pillars. Yep. Fantastic. Foundations and pillars. Really good. Um, we've even covered Dark Ages Inquisitor. Uh, that was uh, Vince and Mark way back in the day in like episode two. Uh, talked about that one. And we've never talked about Dark Ages Fae. And we'll just move on from there. It's a book that exists. <laughs> Maybe we'll cover it someday. But uh, it's, eh, 
So what are some other uh, historical horror games? Well, you know, running with the, uh, the Dark Ages theme, there's also uh, Cthulhu Dark Ages. Uh, it's another cool option, which allows for mythos investigations in 10th century England. Um, it's very, very similar to the regular Call of Cthulhu 7th edition system. Uh, there's actually a, a previous version, which I think was for 6th edition. Um, and uh, it's really neat uh, and uses the same basic rules, but you really need to be careful about your sanity because it's even harder to recover your sanity than in a 1920s game, which is already very difficult to get any back. You know, there's no sanitarium that you can go to uh, in, in the Dark Ages games. Well, while we're talking about Call of Cthulhu, uh, they've recently released also for the current edition Cthulhu Invictus. Uh, if playing in the 10th century is just too modern for you for your historical gaming, <laughs> uh, Cthulhu Invictus uh, is set in the 1st century CE, and uh, it invites you to explore a dark and benighted world from the imagined safety of the strongest empire on the planet, the Roman Empire. Hmm. So whether you're an apothecary who's trading bodies for forbidden knowledge to the ghouls in Alexandria, a centurion huddled around a fire for warmth in a cold, wet island on the edge of the world, wary of the clans to the north, as well as the ancient horrors that those clans can barely hold at bay, or a gladiator in the fighting pits tasked with killing for the amusement of the citizenry. Players of all kinds are sure to find some kind of Cthulhuvian excitement here in the ancient world. Like Mike said, be careful about your sanity. There are very few psychiatrists in ancient Rome. Indeed, yeah. Uh, I would say there's zero psychiatrists. Um, you go to a, a wise woman and... Uh, Maybe get some advice, <laughs> maybe get some way to uh, uh, gain your sanity back, but uh, more often than not, she... Just rub some ergot on it, you'll be fine, you'll be fine, walk it off. Oh, I was going to say it, she could be a cultist, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, Cthulhu Invictus is great, and, you know, a lot of the historical games we just mentioned are very European-focused, obviously, and there's other uh, dark fantasy uh options out there that have less of a focus on, say, Western Europe. Uh, a great option for that would be uh, checking out the Dark Eras source book for uh, Chronicles of Darkness. This has all sorts of different uh, historical settings, from things in, uh, things in the United States to Australia to, uh, you know, uh, the Middle East or, or Western Asia, Africa. A lot of really cool, interesting options uh, that give you a lot of variety for that uh, really cool horror gaming system. And if you enjoy the Chronicle of Darkness game lines, there's a lot of built-in crossover in those uh, historical settings. There is, there is, yeah. It's really great. Getting away from Western Europe a little bit, let's talk about Legend of the Five Rings. So Legend of the Five Rings focuses on courtly intrigue and dynastic politics in a fantasy East Asian setting. Uh, but uh, there's a dark fantasy element that has always pervaded in the setting. So the Empire of Rokugan has stood for over 1,100 years and has always been threatened by the creatures of the Shadowlands. The Crab Clan Bushi stand vigilant on the Carpenter Wall, watching for demonic invaders and staving off the hellish taint using jade shards. 
Sometimes, though, samurai, adventurers, or ronin uh, need to venture into the depths of the Shadowlands, rescuing kidnapped children before they succumb to the taint, or stopping bloodspeaker mages from enacting foul rituals. And of course, these could be your stories. Legend of the Five Rings, 5th edition, runs off of a proprietary system similar to Genesis, uh, or, or the uh, uh, Edge of the Empire, uh, Star Wars role-playing games using custom dice and uh, systems for creating success and strife. So it's really, uh, it's a real classic uh, role-playing game with uh, a lot of followers, a lot of people really excited about it. Fantasy Flight heavily revised Legend of the Five Rings with that fifth edition, you know, really kind of reset the timeline, and it strove to amend some of the missteps that had occurred in the 90s with with other writers. But that said, even the 5th edition is not written by many East Asian voices, so there's a bit of weirdness in it, Um, you know, especially about the honor rules and uh, the unmasking mechanic. Um, You can still play the game, and uh, you can have a ton of fun with it, but uh, what we're going to do is we're going to link a very good analysis done by the Asians Represent podcast, where they read through the entire book and kind of highlighted any issues of tension. You know, it really seems like there were some little text pieces that they didn't like, but really the honor rules and the unmasking mechanic are really the two things that, uh, that stood out. While I generally recommend using the revised 5th edition of Legend of the Five Rings, uh, you can actually still mine the older editions for some pretty heavy metal plot hooks. Stuff like uh, corrupted crab daimyo crucifying their own son to be a war banner, people chopping off hands to equip uh, corrupted gauntlets, and an emperor's son being hidden and educated in hell for 20 years. There's some cool stuff in there. So did he get his MBA from hell? <laughs> Just about, just about. Yeah, in the old setting, he uh, he kind of he got spat out of hell at some point, and cr- basically went to create his own kind of like dark clan to uh, stand against all the others, which became the Spider Clan. But uh, you know, he kind of he helped the empire, he hindered the empire, and was a pretty uh, pretty important character, uh, Daigotsu, for for quite some time. Pretty rad, pretty cool. So that's what I have to say about uh, Legend of the Five Rings. Chick, have you ever played L Five R? Or uh... I have not. I've never played it. Really? Cool, cool. It's it's an interesting one. I, I like it, but, uh, you know, uh, it's it's got a history to it, and uh, I think it's good to kind of go with eyes wide open uh, when you interact with Legend of the Five Rings. Yeah, there's there's never been a lot of Asians in my gaming group just because of, mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of Asians in my, my area uh, that I'm friends with. So I was never really wanting to jump in on that for for reasons that you illustrated previously about, you know, doesn't have a lot of Asian writers. I don't want to. It's not my thing. Yeah, understood. I don't want to recommend this book because we're trying to not recommend uh, fifth edition, uh, like D&D fifth edition stuff. But they did release a a D20 Adventures in Rokugan book, which uh, what was written by a lot more East Asian voices. And also takes a lot of strides to uh, make adjustments to the setting to make it more culturally sensible uh, in a way that even the fifth edition did not, uh, did not do. So, you know, I mean, I think ideally you'd want to run the fifth edition, L5R fifth edition rules by Fantasy Flight. Uh, in co- in conjunction with that Adventures in Rokugan setting, and then I think you pretty much have the ultimate product there. 
maybe they'll make a sixth edition in the near future, which kind of you know combines everything, and that'd be really great. But uh, I, I hear that, see what happens. that Edge Publishing is now picking up the uh, the RPGs that used to belong to Fantasy Flight. So yep. maybe maybe we got something to look forward to. Yeah, they're actually the ones who who made the uh, Adventures of Rokugan book. So well, uh, and have released. Yeah, they're also releasing the Fantasy Flight rule system version of Fifth Edition as well. So um, they haven't made that that synthesis yet but hopefully they will soon but anyway chick i think we talked enough about l5r yeah let's move away from all that courtly intrigue (laughs) baloney and dynastic politics we're moving over to the heaviest metal rpg oh yeah the blackest metal rpg currently on the market i'm talking about merkborg Merkborg is, uh, for those of you who are unaware, it is a, a newer game that is, as soon as it came out the gate, had already spawned dozens of plugins, different character classes, settings, adventures, add-ons, spin-offs, using the, the very simple system for other genres, the whole shebang. We're going to focus now Sweet. on the, the original, Merkborg, uh, which means Dark Castle in Swedish. Um, It is a black, almost to the point of humor RPG of dungeon delving, murder murder hoboing, rules light fun at the end of the world. The setting, what very little of it there is in this tiny little 96-page book that's mostly charts, is pure black metal album cover in which you play a horrible person fighting monsters for pitiful rewards because the alternative is to be that monster's next meal. What's the history of the world? Bleak. What's the future look like for this world? Even bleaker. Yeah. The world is ending. There's a, there's a page where you determine how much time is left in the world. It could be a couple years. It could be a few days. What can you do about the world ending? Not much. So you better grab your randomly generated weapons, armor, and equipment and get while the getting's good. So hey, roll yourself up a wretched royal or a gutterborn scum, or maybe even an esoteric hermit, and try your best to go out there, stop the apocalypse, save the world. Wait, wait, Chick, Chick. None of my characters have ever tried to save the world in Morkborg. In fact, I think we've always just made it worse. I mean, you can try. It it almost certainly won't be enough. You're probably nope. going to make it worse. But, I mean, hey, it never hurts to try. Now, it's very easy to take the tone of this game too far and make it a comedy. And if you and your table are okay with that, go for it. I liked Metalocalypse too. This is this is a great game for a, a Metalocalypse-style humor oh yeah so technically one of the criteria was that we weren't going to do d20 based games yes technically Merkborg Merkborg uses d20 plus res- plus modifier resolution but it's not the D D. it's not the fifth edition's yeah. d20 system it's different yeah, yeah, enough yeah. the setting is different the stats are different the modifiers are different it's a fun game. It's not a deep game. Don't go into this thinking you're gonna you're gonna have you know some hor- some whirlwind romance or whatever with the queen. Mm-hmm. It's not for that. It's just for going out there and having stupid fun. But it is stupid amounts of fun. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and again, Jig, to specify our criteria, it can't be, yeah, it can't be 5th edition or OGL D20. You know, Mark Borg is perfectly A-OK. I don't think it has any OGL text in it. Or if it does, like, whatever, I'm just going to keep it in here anyway. They, they share the word the a couple of times, but beyond that, not, not much. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So let's go in for uh, my my next uh, fancy role-playing game. Now, this is my personal favorite, and that's Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. You can play as hey, a I've dwarf... played that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic, classic. Yeah. You can play as a dwarf peasant in Renaissance Holy Roman Empire. You can embody a halfling journalist investigating rampant corruption in the church. You can have fun as a human cultist being sacrificed to dark gods. Warm Fantasy Roleplay is the dark fantasy game that's also a black comedy RPG. The game is set in a world shaped uh, like our own in the uh, late 15th century, but uh, one where dark gods of chaos maliciously prowl behind the scenes. It is a grim and dark world lit by torches. And for each light extinguished by treasonous magic, another one is put out by petty human incompetence. It's a lot of fun. I really like it. And of course, we have the Dark Hammer podcast here as part of Dark Days Radio, where we really delve into all these Warhammer uh, settings, especially Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Uh, and it's kind of classic setting from the, uh, from the 80s. So... Uh, Woofrip 4th Edition is the current edition, which runs off of a D100 system, which uh, is pretty similar to one that was, you know, released way back in uh, 1986. It has a really cool career system, which allows for really interesting and unique character concepts. You could actually randomly determine what kind of character class, essentially, you are, what your, your starting career is. And it could be anything from a nobleman to a wizard's apprentice to a farmer or... A peasant, as Chig knows very well. But can I start with a small but vicious dog? You can, but only if you're a rat catcher. And by uh, you know, gaining experience you can and, and advances in your career, you can switch to another career eventually. You can exit out of the one you're currently in and move on to something else. You know, from a, a wizard apprentice, you become, become a, uh, a wizard. From a farmer, you can make a kind of lateral change to become a merchant, maybe. Maybe you finally got enough money and joined the Merchants Guild, and you can move up from there. And you can do very interesting combinations. You know, you could start off uh, as more of a fighty character, but then grow into more magical or maybe uh, priestly uh, devotions for your career and have a basically multi-class in that sort of way where you grow both strong in combat but also have some magic to kind of fall back on so it's a lot of fun it's really cool and i like it a lot and would highly recommend it but chig there is one more game i found at the last minute which i think i'm gonna have to recommend even more highly than warmer fancy roleplay Listeners, we are going off show notes here. There is no show notes for this. Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay was the last thing on our list. Chig does not know what's going to happen. I am on the edge of my seat. I paid for the whole seat. I'm only using the edge. There is a really great dark fantasy role-playing game out there. It's been supported for over 30 years. It's not D&D. It's even better. It's a game that's grown beyond, that's transcended. It's got swords. It's got magic. It might have some D20s, but not the D20s you're thinking of. And it's got 
the Wolf and Chig. We're talking about Palladium Fantasy Roleplay, the ultimate fantasy roleplaying experience. It's never had a, it's never had a real edition change. It's never had any kind of uh, real modifications to it. Yeah, there's a second edition technically, but it's still the same system. It's still got its wacky alignments and everything, and it's going to be supported until the day Palladium dies. And that's the game I think we got to recommend. Right, Chig? Do you agree? You know, I when you were describing it, I said to myself, what what game could this possibly be that's been supported for over 30 <laughs> years? Surely I'd have heard of it by now. How could I have forgotten oh, yeah. this? And then when you told me what yeah. it was, I remembered. I didn't forget it. I willfully misremembered that it existed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Palladium Fantasy. That is an option. That is a thing that you can play if you have no other recourse, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just think about it. You know, there's these people out there that say that Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 1st Edition was was the way that Gygaz intended D&D to be. And Palladium Fantasy Roleplay is Kevin Sambita taking that and then doing God knows what with it. Putting this, in back stuff. Doing this with it. <laughs> making no, making I mean, a selfish alignment because there's no such thing as neutrality. There certainly isn't. So, yes, uh, dear listeners, Palladium Fantasy. It has always been. It will always be. <laughs> there's probably enough printed copies of Palladium Fantasy roleplay at this point that uh, everyone could own a copy. I think that there's enough printed copies of Palladium Fantasy that you could build yourself a decent sized house out of. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's enough of that. Uh, we're 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 just having a little fun here. But uh, we kid because we love. <laughs> not 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 not. We don't love Palladium Fantasy. We 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 love that such a thing can exist in this world. Yeah. I mean, I've never played that. It might actually be rad. Maybe. I mean, it uses the same system as Rift, so I will never play it. <laughs> I can I can combine it with Robotech, so that's an option. That is that is technically an option. Yeah. Anyway, Chig, anything else we want to highlight before we uh, close out this episode? I don't think we can top that. So no, I think we're good, Mike. Where can, <laughs> where can they find us if if the listeners want to find us out there on the internets? Well, you can uh, head to our link tree, which is linktree slash Radio, and that's got a link to all of our different social media. You can find everything there, but I really like to highlight our uh, Discord, because that's where I hang out uh, the most. And it's a great place to just go. Uh, we talk about miniatures a lot. We talk about role-playing games. If you have questions about World of Darkness or Chronicles of Darkness, we're always happy to uh, discuss those there. Or if you just want to share funny memes about spooky stuff... Uh, it's great for that. And also, we have a Secret Frequency channel, which is pretty rad. So definitely check us out on Discord. Yeah, I am literally there 24-7 because Discord is on my phone, and my phone is always on. So come join <laughs> us. It's fun. It's true. If you go in front of a mirror and type at Chig, at Chig, at Chig three times, he will appear. I will appear behind you, and I will fix your dishwasher. <laughs> All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks, everyone. Uh, thanks, Chig, for coming on and having a great time. This is a speedy episode. I thought we were going to be talking for 90 minutes, but woof, it is a quick one. Well, you know, we we know what we like. We got to the point, and we hope we were informative to the listeners. And hey, if listeners, if you want to hear more about these or any other games, we're on the Discord. Definitely. And to all the listeners out there, take it easy 
and have a good night. Stay safe out there. This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com. Thank you.